Welcome, wrestling fans from around the world to In the Ring with Brandy. I'm your host, Brandy, and on this show, we talk about all things wrestling from AEW to Impact, Ring of Honor, WWE's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. On tonight's show, we're going to be covering Raw and SmackDown for 8 9, 8 16, 13, and 8 20. So let's jump into this action and let's start with Raw from 8 9 and 8 16. Now, of course, we're going to kind of jump back and forth, so I hope you guys can follow me a little bit because it's, there's a lot to cover, so bear with me. Well, like I said, you remember last week? That's what I did last week. We flip-flopped back and forth, so we're going to do it again. So let's cover Raw for 8-16 and 8-9. We're going to kind of go back and forth, so just follow me. All right. So this Raw for 8-16 is the final stop before SummerSlam this Saturday on 821. It opens, of course, with Randy Orton. Now, for those of you who are probably scratching your head going, wait, Randy Orton, did I miss something? Let's go backwards a little bit, back in time to 8-9. And Randy Orton, of course, did return to Monday Night Raw on that night. Basically saying he was basically saying he was happy to see the fans. He welcomes us to Monday Night Raw. Matt Riddle comes out, does his little, you know, thing that he always does. Happy to see Randy, tries to hug Randy, you know, and ask him a question. Uh, you know, are we still together? Of course, Randy's not happy to see Riddle. He's not happy to see Riddle at all. You can obviously tell on 8-9, he just wasn't too enthusiastic with Riddle being there. You could see it. You could see it in his eyes. He just wasn't too happy with it. And he tells him, look, look, kid, I get it. I get it. But look, I just don't want to team up with you anymore. You know, RK bro is done. It's over. We're not doing this anymore. I'm done. And Riddle gets a sad look on his face. And it's kind of to me as a wrestling fan, you know how I feel about Matt Riddle. He's fantastic when he's in the ring. But when you put him on the mic... You kind of get tired of hearing his voice every now and then, and I'm kind of getting got to that point. But I kind of he pulled at my heartstrings this time because of his face. He looked like a kicked puppy, guys. A kicked puppy. He looked so sad. You just wanted to hug him. And he goes, "Are you telling me you don't want to team up with me anymore?" And he goes, "And Randy goes, look." We, I, I'm a loner. That's how I've always been. We all know that's how Orton is. That's how the Viper has always been. He is a loner. He sticks to what he knows. He doesn't really work with anybody. We know that because he worked with Bray Wyatt. We saw what he did to Bray Wyatt. So we all know how that works. So... You know, he kind of, you know, this is how he is. That's how he rolls. Randy is Randy. He doesn't really work well with others. Randy never has. He never will. So, basically, we all know he's a loner. And, of course, he lets Matt Riddle know, look, I'm a loner. I do this myself. I work by myself. I do better by myself. Riddle is crushed. Absolutely crushed. Well, we all know this little thing that's been going on with Riddle and AJ Styles. And almost, this leads to AJ Styles and almost coming out in the middle of the segment. And basically, oh, too bad. Poor Matt Riddle, you know. Lift a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it, Riddle? When he says he doesn't want to work with you anymore. That just kind of gets to you. That kind of picking at Riddle just a bit. And you can see Randy's jaw just twitching. He's not liking the fact that AJ Styles is... It's not that he doesn't like what he's doing to Riddle. It's the fact that he's pretty much smacking Randy in the face along with Riddle. You know, just kind of, you know, trying to humiliate Riddle in front of everybody, including Randy Orton. And that's... I mean, come on. 
There's only so much of that you can take. And you can see his jaw twitching. He's mad. He's absolutely furious. And you can see it. You can see it in his jaw. You can see it in his face. His facial expression says it all. And he goes, basically, AJ goes, oh, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth to hear this. But you know what? To me, it tastes too sweet. Very good reference. I love it. I absolutely love that he used that. It was incredible. Everybody in the crowd chanting too sweet. I loved it. It was incredible. Leading to, you know, Randy basically getting tired of him going, look, why don't you shut up? And why don't your little boy here come on out and face me? Almost. Almost versus Randy. This could get really interesting. Ooh, this could heat up. This would get spicy if we have Randy versus Almost. Tell him, look, why don't you fight me tonight? And we'll see who runs raw. You or, uh, you or me, AJ. We'll see. And he goes, look, I'm going to, you know, use the most, the three most destructive words in wrestling history. R-K-O. And almost comes in, being a big Billy Bud butt that he is, and tries to go at Randy. Randy tries to RKO him, and he actually almost misses, which is lucky, because if almost had gotten RKO'd, that would have been the end of it right there. And, you know, he beat, you know, he starts beating almost. Matt Riddle tries to help him, but gets slammed down. And after the match, Randy walks off, leaving Riddle in the ring. You know, it shocked Riddle. Riddle got out of the ring and kind of followed him a little bit behind. He kind of looked like I told you guys how almost is. Which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? He kind of looked like that little puppy dog following Randy Orton. I thought it was kind of funny. But this leads up to what happened on 816. The reason why I'm doing this is because I'm going to go ahead and give you guys why, why we're at this point. We do, of course, get Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. Because I told you guys what was going to happen. And it's an incredible match. If you guys have not seen it, you need to go look at it. It's absolutely an incredible match between two well, I mean, well-trained gentlemen in a ring. And I mean, Randy and AJ literally can tear down a house. They are absolutely incredible to watch. They're amazing to see. I love it. It was a great match. Of course, Randy Orton did win that match. Riddle does come out and tries to take out almost, but instead he gets hit. He gets pretty much took down. And Randy ain't having that. They scurry out of the ring and you know the whole, you know, the whole blah blah blah. They were not happy about it at all. Not happy at all about it. And AJ's running his mouth and Randy's running his, and it's just, you know, that that cute little feud that you get between the two of them that just makes it, you know, even better. And you're waiting for, you know, what's going to happen next. And Randy tells him, look, you earned my respect. You literally earned my respect, kid. You did. So, like I said, leading up to the current, the current, Randy comes out. And he has a mic. And he's saying to people, for those of you who don't know, let me go back a little bit further to that, to what happened on the ninth. After he hugged Riddle. He put Riddle in an RKO. Riddle's laying on the ground, and he's petting him like a puppy. I mean, like this cute little puppy dog. It's absolutely adorable. And he's like, what is Randy thinking? What is Randy doing? Well, this leads up to Monday night for this week for 816. It opens with Randy Orton. He goes, and the people have been asking me, why did I hit Riddle with an RKO? Why did I do that? 
He says, look, I don't need friends. I don't need anybody. I've won championships without any help. Monday Night Raw is still my territory. And I'm going to hit almost tonight with the three most destructive letters in wrestling history, R-K-O. Well, out comes Matt Riddle again. You would have thought after last week on um, 8-9, he would have learned not to come out and interrupt Randy Orton, but obviously Matt Riddle doesn't learn his lesson. He doesn't pay attention. It's absolutely hilarious. You know, you think, really? And he goes, you know, he goes, I have one question for you. Why did you hit me with an RKO? I get it. Now I think I know why. That was the question I had. Why did he hit me with an RKO? And now I think I know why. I think I get it. Because you were trying to teach me. You were trying to teach me a lesson. You know, I did all this stuff when you were gone, trying to do your RKO, trying to you know imitate you. And you were, I'm pretty sure you were sitting at home, not happy with me doing this. So you were teaching me a lesson, Randy. I get it. I get it. You were teaching me a lesson. And, you know, I want to bring back RK Bro. I really do. I want to. Well, Again, here comes AJ Styles and almost again. You would have think after 8-9 last week, they would have learned to stay out of this. But obviously, these two boys just don't get the meaning of the word no. The meaning of the word stay out of it. And they show up again. This time, AJ's basically saying, how about RK? No. Why don't you, RKO, Riddle again, and let me watch back, and then why if you feel RK Riddle, why don't you RKO yourself? Really, AJ? Really, AJ? You're going to stoop to that level? Typical AJ, typical AJ. He goes, look, you cheated, and you know you did. And tonight, we're going to defang the Viper. He says, I'm sick of hearing bro every time I see Matt Riddle. Who isn't? We get it. The bro thing kind of gets old, but that's Matt Riddle's character. That's what he does. But I get AJ. I feel AJ. Sometimes you're just in that mood where you don't want to hear bro. Some of you may disagree. Some of you may love Matt Riddle. And like I said, on my social media, tell me. Because I like to hear what you guys think. So, you know, in my opinion, I would rather hear something other than bro. But, you know, that we all know that's just Matt Riddle's character. But, AJ is like some of us. He's just is tired of hearing it. He's just tired of it. And he goes, look, I want to fight Riddle. Okay, Riddle accepts. He thinks Randy's going to be in his corner because he tells him, look, Randy's going to be in my corner. I ain't worried. I can beat you with Randy by my side. I've got anything. Randy, no, 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 no. I don't think Randy wants to be in his corner. And you can tell by Randy's facial expression she doesn't want to be there. He's not interested in being involved in this fight, Randy's like, uh-uh, just not feeling it. I told you, Riddle, last week I didn't want to be involved, and what did you do? You you pretty much put me in, I don't care, I'm done. This could get interesting, because right after that, it's Matt Riddle versus AJ Styles with almost, Randy is out at ringside, but then Randy turns around and walks away. Matt Riddle literally calling to him, trying to get him to stay. Come on, stay, Randy. Help me out. Riddle is absolutely lost because he's been working with Randy all this time. And Randy comes back only to basically say, I want nothing to do with you. Riddle doesn't know what to think. Riddle is absolutely clueless. And you feel bad for Riddle because we all know what happened on 8-9. Uh, yeah, we all saw him say, look, I don't want to deal with you. I'm done. And Randy's sticking to his guns. I'm not going to be involved in this. I'm done. 
And you can obviously tell that it does not turn out well for Riddle. It's a great match. It really is. But Riddle's heart was just so devastated at what Randy had done. He wasn't really focused on the match. And he should have been, but he wasn't. And in that instance, not being focused on the match made it very difficult for him to be in a match with AJ Styles. It made it very difficult for him to be in it. And of course, AJ Styles wins it with the Styles Clash. No Randy Orton to come out and save Riddle. No, I, I will help you protection. None of that. It's just done. It's done. It's over. Boom. End of, the, end of it. To me, guys, I'm kind of curious. Could Randy get back with Riddle? Could we see it? Is Randy really done? It's just a matter of time and what's going to happen because we all know Randy has a match tonight with almost. So will Riddle be in his corner or won't, or won't Riddle? It's going to be interesting to see what happens and could this really be the end of RK Bro? Could we really, you know, be done with the RK Bro thing? Of course, Byron Saxon doesn't like it. Corey Graves is all for it, but Byron Saxton doesn't like it at all. And it bugs. Even Jimmy Smith is like, wait a minute, this is the end of RK Bro? Are you serious? Are, are you for real? And the fans are kind of not happy about it either. They're literally chanting for Randy to be with Riddle. So it's going to be interesting to see what WWE does with this later on tonight when Randy faces almost. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Now, moving on. We have. Nikki Ash versus Rhea Ripley. And, of course, it, we all know what's been going on. We know what has been going on with Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash, and Charlotte Flair. We know this fight has been, well, they're setting up for a you know, triple threat match. It's going to, you guys know how I feel about triple threat matches. I've told you guys I don't like them because it doesn't favor the champ. And it's not fair to the other competitors involved because, really, it's not a one-on-one -on -one match. You don't even have to be in the ring to lose your title. To me, a triple threat match is just not something that I enjoy. Granted, it's no DQ. Granted, it's no count-out. But still, it's not fair to the champ. And also, it's not fair to the other competitors. It's especially not fair to Rhea Ripley because she's been dealing with Charlotte all this time. And Charlotte just keeps putting herself into matches. And we get tired of seeing her putting herself into the title mat, title shot every single time. We're kind of hoping somebody else will finally step up and say, Look, I've had enough. I'm done. Charlotte, shut up. Go to the back of the line and let me have this. And basically, Charlotte is stealing Nikki's thunder. She's stealing Nikki's moment in being a champ. And that, to me, bugs me. Because Nikki is an incredible champ. She's a positive role model. She's amazing. And I love her like this. And I don't like Charlotte sticking her nose where it doesn't belong. In my opinion, at SummerSlam, it really should be Rhea Ripley versus Nikki Ash. That's what it should be. But apparently, WWE has to stick Charlotte Flair back into the title picture again. Getting old. Getting old. But... Of course, Nikki Ash versus Rhea Ripley. Who comes out to be on commentary? None other than crybaby Charlotte Flair, who thinks she's the opportunity. She comes out. Oh, my God. Really, Charlotte? Go to the back. Sit down. Be quiet and let these two have a normal match. But, no, she has to come out and be on commentary and cause problems, cause issues. It's an incredible match, guys. It really is. It is great, great match between Nikki and Rhea. They really showcase what both of these girls can do. These two ladies 
like I said, from what I saw on Monday Night Raw for 8-19 or, or 8-16, it was an incredible match. It really was. And that, to me, should have been on SummerSlam because they right here showcase that they two, the two of them together could have an incredible match against each other. They really could. You know, fight for fight, power versus power. You know, they, they both would have been great without Charlotte Flair in the picture. But, like I said, at SummerSlam, the two of them could unite together as a team and take out Charlotte Flair, giving them the opportunity to fight each other if Charlotte Flair is out of the picture. Because that's what Rhea and Nikki want. They really want to face each other. They don't want Charlotte in the picture. So, to them, it would be a good idea, in my opinion, to team up together to take out Charlotte so that at the Triple Threat match, it's just the two of you in the ring. That, to me, just sounds like it would be, that's what I would do if I was Nikki or I was Rhea. I would do that. I would get Charlotte out of the picture so that we can have a match one-on-one -on -one like it should have been instead of it being a triple threat match. But it's an incredible match. It really is. Of course, Rhea Ripley does win that match against Nikki. She wins it. Charlotte, on the other side, is taunting Nikki and Rhea the whole time. And Nikki's had enough. She has had enough of Charlotte. She can't stand Charlotte disrespecting her. She can't stand Charlotte looking to, down on her. She can't stand Charlotte turning her nose up to her. So Nikki has enough. And Nikki literally, I, guys, you need to go on social media and see this. It's absolutely incredible. Nikki beats the daylights out of Charlotte. Charlotte doesn't see it coming. She doesn't know what hit her. She gets hit basically by a freight train that she wasn't seeing and Nikki just tears into her. Charlotte can't get her bearings up. She can't. And the whole time Rhea's sitting back watching this laughing. She's enjoying this because this is the this is the Nikki Rhea wanted to see and we're seeing it. This is the Nikki that Rhea wanted, wants to face and we're seeing it. Nikki has had enough of Charlotte's taunting and her disrespectfulness of her so she takes her out. She basically beats the daylights out of Charlotte. Charlotte stands no chance. No chance whatsoever. Now, we move on to Drew McIntyre. We know what's been going on with Drew and Jinder Mahal. We know the whole story. We've been following it. For those of you who haven't, Jinder Mahal has been giving Drew McIntyre a hard time. A serious, serious hard time. And it's not, I mean, this feud between Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal has been epic. It has been, it's been better than his and Sheamus's. It's been incredible to see these two go at it. Now, we, for those of you who don't know, go on your social media and look it up because it's absolutely incredible feud. You would love this little thing, but we all know that Drew has had his sword, Angela, out there, the sword that he named after his late mother. He's brought her out every single time. He's actually pulled it out and freaked Jinder Mahal, Veer, and Shanky out. Every time that sword comes out, they run like two, like three scalded cats with their tail between their legs. It scares them. They're terrified of Drew. They don't like it. And it scares them. But, of course, we got Drew McIntyre. Fast forward, or should I say rewind, back to 8 and 9. Jinder Mahal decides he's had enough of this whole sword fiasco. He's done with it. He doesn't want to deal with it anymore. He wants Drew taken out before SummerSlam so that he doesn't have to deal with Drew. So what does he do? He tricks Baron Corbin from SmackDown to come over to Monday Night Raw and face Drew McIntyre. 
Take Drew McIntyre out for me, and I will pay you money. Because we all know Baron Corbin's been having issues. We all know what's going on with the Corbin saga. We know that he's having a lot of trouble. Ever since he lost that crown, bless Corbin's poor little heart, he's had a lot of trouble. He's had a lot of serious trouble. So the opportunity for Gender to offer him some money, Corbin jumps on it. He absolutely jumps on it. He doesn't look. If you can beat Drew, I'll give you any. I'll give you money. I'll give you money to help you out, to get you out of debt, to get you out of off the poverty, yeah, out of poverty, and get you back to where you need to be. But you can't get the money unless you beat Drew McIntyre. Hence, we get Baron Corbin versus Drew McIntyre because of what Ginger did. It's an incredible match. It's an incredible match, guys. Gender's no, nowhere to be seen, neither is Shanky or Veer. It's basically Baron Corbin versus Drew McIntyre. Drew mops the floor with Corbin. He really does. But it's a great match. It really is. It really shows what these, you know, what Corbin can do when he's up, when he's when the odds are stacked against him and he's backed in a corner. He comes out swinging. And it's a great match between Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre. Of course, Drew McIntyre does win that match. And makes it perfectly clear to gender, ain't nobody going to take me out. Ain't nobody going to beat me. Don't matter who you send to take me out. It's not going to happen, gender. You and I are going to face each other. And it's not going to be pretty. What happens? Fast forward to 816. And it's Drew McIntyre versus Veer and Shanky in a two-on-one handicap match. Now, there is a stipulation to this two-on-one handicap match. A stipulation. The stipulation is if Veer and Shanky can beat Drew McIntyre tonight in that two-on-one handicap match, Drew McIntyre cannot bring Angela, his sword, to SummerSlam for his and Ginger's match. On the flip side, if Drew can beat Veer and Shanky in a two-on-one handicap match, Veer and Shanky will be banned from ringside at Gender's and Drew's match at SummerSlam. So there's a little stipulation in there, a little spice to the match, which makes the match even better. It makes it even more better because you get both teams really wanting to get their stipulation in so that they don't have to deal with one or the other. It's an incredible match. It really is. You know, two-on-one handicap matches, I don't like them too much because, like I said, the poor unfortunate soul that's stuck by himself without a tag team partner kind of has a little bit of a problem. But in this instance, Drew has no problem. Drew has no problem. This man, it's like he's got a tag partner that's invisible. It's absolutely an incredible two-on-one handicap match between these, you know, these three. Absolutely incredible. Drew McIntyre does win that match. And with that being said, his stipulation goes into effect. At SummerSlam, it will be Jinder Mahal versus Drew McIntyre with no Veer or Shanky. They are banned from ringside. If they come out at any point during that match at SummerSlam, Jinder is automatically automatically loses, no matter what. They have to stay in the back. They cannot interfere at all, which gives Drew an easy advantage against gender. It gives Drew and gender a chance to have a normal wrestling fight without someone getting involved. Now, we all know gender Mahal. Jinder Mahal has a few tricks up his sleeve. So it's going to be interesting to see, will gender stick to that stipulation 
or will Jinder throw some curveball that we're not expecting that Drew's going to have to, you know, fight back from to win this match? Like I told you guys, this match is going to be an incredible match between these two. I'm looking forward to seeing what Jinder Mahal and Drew can do to escalate this feud to what it is now. The interesting part is, is Veer, after the match is over, tries to go grab the sword. He tries to grab Angela, but Drew catches it. Drew sees him, and Drew literally stops him, grabs the sword, and pulls it out. When he pulls it out, he basically takes a little swing in the air, and those three scatter as fast as they can, like they just seen the worst nightmare. They are terrified of the sword, and I don't blame them. I would be scared of this sword, but they are terrified of it, and it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Looking forward to the Jinder Mahal versus Drew McIntyre match. And without Veer and Shanky, it's going to be a good match. But like I said again, Jinder has a tendency to pull rabbits out of his hat. He is the modern-day Maharaja, so we don't know what he might do. We don't know what he might try. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on SummerSlam involving Drew and Jinder Mahal. So we see uh, Pierce... And DeVille, they're in the back, and they're talking. And Charlotte Flair comes up, and she's mad. She's mad that Nikki Cross, basically, in her opinion, disrespected her and attacked her. She's very, very furious about this and doesn't like the fact that, he, that, that she did this. She's not happy at all. Pierce and DeVille don't want to hear none of it. They're, they're, Sonya DeVille is tired of Charlotte's whining. You can obviously see it. She's done with it. She don't want to deal with it. She's like, uh-uh, I'm not doing this. She doesn't look. I'm the boss. Pierce and I are the boss. We make the matches. We do whatever. You, you do what we tell you to do. And we're telling you, go find you a partner. If you don't want to wait, go find you a tag team partner tonight. If you want to face Nikki. Otherwise, be quiet and wait for your opportunity at SummerSlam. But you need to do one or the other. Find you a tag team partner or be quiet. Charlotte doesn't have any friends. Nobody in the back that Charlotte's really close to. So, if Charlotte does decide to go with the tag team partner thing, what's going to happen? I mean, what you know, what could really truly happen between you know Charlotte and uh, you know Charlotte and you know everything with Nikki? Who, who you know is Nikki going to side with Rhea? You know who's going to be Charlotte's partner? No one's really sure. Now, there's a reason why Nikki and Rhea have had enough. And I'm going to go back to this. We're going to go back all the way to 8-9. Of course, Rhea and Nikki did have another match at that show. And it so happens that Nikki won that match. It's an incredible match, guys. It really was. It was incredible. But she won because Charlotte attacked both of them and took them out. Now, I'm telling you guys, if Charlotte decides to find a tag team partner and she can find one, she can pull a miracle out of her hat somehow and she manages to get it, then I have a feeling Nikki and Rhea are going to tell her apart. Because Nikki and Rhea, she has been nothing, doing nothing but running circles around them and making them their lives miserable. So it's going to be interesting to see, can Charlotte find a partner tonight? Is it possible that she can get one? Is it really, really, truly possible that she can do it? Of course, now we have Ms. Morrison. We know what's been going on with Ms. Morrison. For those of you who don't know, 
Ms. Morrison have been a thorn in Damien Priest's side for quite a while. They can't seem to let the whole losing at WrestleMania to Damien Priest and Bad Bunny quite go. And they've made it perfectly clear where they stand with Damien Priest. I mean, they really do. They've made it clear. Just to tell you how crystal clear they made it, Damien Priest actually had a match on 8-9 versus Morrison with Miz outside. It was an incredible match, guys. If any of y'all, any of y'all have not seen Damian Priest, you need to go check this man out. He's absolutely incredible. He can do things in that ring that will just make you sit back and go, wow. He's absolutely incredible. And he did, like I said, he did have a match against Morrison on 8-9. And it was an incredible match. It really was. It was really, really good match. Of course, Damian Priest did win that match. When he did, he got down and grabbed the drip, drip stick from Morrison and turned to Miss. And he literally turns around and drowns Morrison with that drip stick. So then he starts pulling all the drip sticks out of more out of Miz's wheelchair. His little bucket on the side of his wheelchair. Starts pulling them out everywhere. I mean, just pulling them all out to where Miz has nothing left. And he's holding one drip stick in his hand standing in front of Miz. And Miz is literally back against the ring post with nowhere to go. And this, and you can hear Byron Saxon in the back going soaking because Miz has been soaking Byron Saxon every week for the past couple of, for almost a month. And I think Byron's had enough. And poor Corey, Corey is basically saying, no, 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 Miz, don't drown him. He goes to shoot the, to shoot the water at Miz and Miz gets up out of his wheelchair. Like automatic, spontaneous, jumped up. I mean, boom. He's up. He's up. He's mobile. You're going, what? Miss, were you faking it the whole time? And Morrison's in shock. The crowd's in shock. I was in shock. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? He gets up out of his wheelchair and starts running as fast as he can. He runs as fast as he can. And it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, literally crazy. Prior to that, we all know the thing that's been going on with Seamus and, and Damian Priest. We know what's been going on because Damian Priest doesn't like bullies. He doesn't like bullies at all. And on 8-9, he pretty much made it perfectly clear he doesn't. There's a big fight, huge thing that goes on. And we all know what happened with Ricochet last week. Ricochet came out to help Damian Priest, which put us in, you know, a tag team match. It was an incredible match between Ricochet and them. Well... Sheamus decides he's going to face Ricochet in a United States Contenders match. If Ricochet can beat Sheamus in this match, Ricochet gets to face Sheamus or whoever the United States Champion is somewhere down the road. It's a great match. It really is. It's a great match between Ricochet and Sheamus. Ricochet really showcases what he can do. I'm impressed with what Ricochet can do. Ricochet, of course, gets bro-kicked and Sheamus wins the match. Damien Priest comes out because Damien Priest has had enough. Again, Damien Priest has had enough of Seamus, Miz, and Morrison. He just can't deal with it no more. He's had enough. And he comes out and literally gets in Seamus' face. Seamus turns and you think, okay, Seamus is going to leave. He's going to take the high road, be the big man, and leave. Guess what? He doesn't. He turns around, but Priest catches him. And Priest basically hit the lights. He's done. Seamus is out. 
This leads up to what happened with Damian Priest and Miz and Morrison. After Miz ran off, we find out that at SummerSlam, for the United States title, it will be Sheamus versus Damian Priest. This, I'm telling you guys, is going to be incredible. It is going to be something exciting to see Damian Priest finally get his hands on Sheamus. This, to me, is going to be exciting and something to look forward to. Which now leads us up to 816. Morrison has a new show called Moist TV. Yes, 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 my podcast listeners, you heard me correctly. Moist TV. I'm sitting there going, what? Huh? Excuse me? But he has one. And he has Miz on the show. And of course, Miz and him are talking and, you know, they're you know having their little thing. And Damian Priest comes out. Here we go with why I told you guys Damian Priest has had enough of their shenanigans. He's done with it. He don't want to deal with it. It's time to end this now. And Damian Priest comes out. And he tells him, look, you all saw that he got up last week when I aimed the dripstick at him. He got up and took off running. You want to explain that to me? And Morrison's kind of confused. And Morrison's thinking, yeah, you want to explain that to me, Miz? And Miz goes, I want to make it clear. I've been gloves cleared weeks ago. So you mean to tell me, Miz, you sat in that wheelchair for weeks, led Morrison and everyone else to think you were still injured and couldn't, you know, wrestle and couldn't perform and were not medically cleared, and you lied to Morrison? You lied to your best friend? Are you kidding me, Miz? Have you lost your... You can tell Morrison's not happy that he was lied to. You can see it. He's not happy that he was lied to. And Miz and Morrison are fighting. They're fighting over this because Morrison's not happy that Miz lied to him. He's not happy at all. I wouldn't be either. If that was my friend, I would be very disappointed and angry that someone would lie to me about being not medically cleared when they knew weeks ago they were. And they continued to fake that they weren't. That would then they didn't even have the decency or the audacity to tell me, their best friend, that they were medically cleared. You'll bring me in the loop. Let me know what you're doing. That I can see where Morrison's coming from, and I can see why he's mad at Miz. And I'm all for okay. Let them duke it out. Let them get it over the whole time. Damian Priest is standing there. Well, Damian Priest, of course, during this moist TV, there's different little things set up, and there's a swimming pool. Sitting on the floor, guys, go look at go look this up online. It's absolutely a hilarious and a very interesting segment. But there is a swimming pool, a kiddie pool, sitting on the ground, full of water with little yellow rubber duckies. Yes, you heard me correctly. Little yellow rubber duckies. They are on the floor and Ms. and Morrison are having an argument. And Ms. gets mad because of what Damien Priest does. And you know, Morrison goes, look, you know, I want to make a match here, man. I want to make a match here now because you blatantly disrespected me by not telling me that you were cleared weeks ago. I want you to face Damian Priest tonight. I want you to face Damian Priest tonight. So, we're going to get Miz versus Damian Priest? This could get interesting. But back to Damian Priest, likes it. he likes the idea of Miz, you know, versus him. Miz gets in Damian Priest's face and starts just going off at the mouth like Miz always does. Classic Miz, we know that how, that's how Miz is. That's how Miz has always been. And he's going off at the mouth. Just, just can't just, just, Damian, done. 
He's done. He's had enough. He doesn't want to deal with it. So what does he do? He pushes Miss. And remember that kiddie pool full of rubber duckies? Guess where Miss lands? In the pool with rubber duckies and water. In a nice, I mean, nice suit. He is literally flailing about in this pool, soaking wet from head to toe. Whole time, Damien Priest is laughing. He thinks it's hilarious. When we come back from break, we get Damien Priest versus Miss. Miz is not even dressed for this match. He's still in a soaking wet suit with these expensive shoes that he claims that are expensive wearing. Well, he's got Morrison at his side, up ringside, and when he turns around to talk to Morrison, Morrison is so angry about him not bringing him into the loop of him being well weeks ago that Morrison literally turns around and leaves Miz alone in the ring. He walks off. He's had enough. Can't say I blame him. You lied to your best friend, Miz. How could you do that? I mean, you always tell your best friend everything. And you didn't tell Morrison this? Why? What was the reasoning behind it? Miz doesn't have a reason. And Morrison doesn't care. He's done. He walks off and leaves. Poor Miz in the ring. Well, while this is going on, Seamus comes out. Basically, to get on commentary because he knows he has a match against Damian Priest and he kind of wants to get a look at his competition for the United States title. It's an incredible match. He's sitting at commentary watching and Damian Priest really, you know, Morrison Morrison's not there. Miz tries his best to do what he can and his expensive soaking wet loafers and his soaking wet suit, trying his best to keep up with Damian Priest, but he just can't do it. Damian Priest adds insult to injury by turning around when. He knows Seamus is sitting there, and he wins the match against Miz with a bro kick. Yes, you heard me correctly. He used Seamus's finisher, the bro kick. Basically, sending a message to Seamus, at SummerSlam, I'm going to take that title off of you. Whether you want me to or not, I've got your number. Seamus going on about how this is his gold, me gold, you're not going to steal me gold. Going on and on and on about how he, you know, Damien is not on his level, blah, 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 blah. I'm telling you, this is going to be an interesting match at SummerSlam. It's going to be very interesting to see if Miz and Morrison might play a key role. Will Morrison and Miz even be together come SummerSlam? What's going to happen between Damien Priest and Sheamus? Will Sheamus retain, or will Damien Priest finally get his first WWE win on Raw and SmackDown? Is it possible that he could get it? We're going to find out. We are literally going to find out at SummerSlam what's going to happen. Well, we all know what's been going on with Alexa Bliss, Dewdrop, and Lily. And Ava Marie. Ava Marie. Don't even get me started on Ava Marie, guys. Don't. You, we'll be here all day with her. Do I like the idea of what WWE is doing to her? No, I don't. But we all know what's been going on with Ava Marie and Alexa Bliss. We all know it. Rewind, or shall I say fast forward, back to 8-9. We did have a match with Alexa Bliss. She brought Lily out. Put Lily up on the ring ropes where Lily could see what was going on. And she was facing Dewdrop with Ava Marie. 
Now, we all know what's been going on in WWE. We've been seeing it for the past couple of weeks. What's been going on? The fans are not pleased with the decisions that have been made within WWE. They're not happy with certain superstars being let go. One in particular has stood out above any other superstar from Braun Strowman to Aleister Black. One particular superstar has stood out out in the crowd that the fans, along with me, and I know a lot of you out there in the wrestling world, are not happy that this particular superstar was let go. And the fans are making it perfectly clear where they stand with this decision. During the Alexa Bliss Dewdrop match, again, we hear the way the Bray Wyatt chants. We want Wyatt. We hear it. Every single week since Wyatt has been let go, these chants have been going. They have been loud. They have been clear. These fans have made it perfectly clear to Nick Khan and the board of directors of WWE that they're not happy with their decision of letting the Fiend go. They are kicked. They're not the only ones. You guys out there in the wrestling universe and me over here doing the podcast, not happy with WWE. Not happy at all. Because you don't let go someone that good. You don't let a fan follow you know, who has so many fans that follow him on Twitter, on Instagram, everywhere. You'll come to the pay tickets, pay hard money to come see him every week for you to let him go. And the fans have made it perfectly clear. Every Alexa match we have heard, every match with Roman, we have heard the We Want Wyatt chants. We've heard it loud and clear. And 8-9 was no exception. During the middle of, of Alexa's and Drew Drop's match, those chants started again. WWE has been cutting the mics. For those of you who don't know, they have. They have been cutting the mics and shutting the WWE Universe off from their want what they want. And to me, that is a blatant disrespect to your fans, the people who pay hard good money to come see your shows. You cut them off because they're wanting to state how they feel? That, to me, bugs me. It goes back to the whole thing when they let CM Punk go. We all remember that. We will never forget that. Every time they go to Chicago, WWE ends up in Chicago. What do we hear? CM Punk chants. That's what we hear. We hear it every single time. And I'm telling you, WWE may cut the mics, but they're not going to stop them. They're going to continue to chant, We Want Wyatt, to make it perfectly clear where they stand. And... Apparently, Nick Khan and the board of directors don't like that little chant. But, of course, like I said, on 8-9, it happened again during Alexa Bliss's match. Because we associate Alexa Bliss, and Alexa Bliss was the one keeping, keeping Bray Wyatt and The Fiend alive all this time. She mentioned him. She you know did things that involved him. She kept him alive the whole time he was gone. And now he's gone for good. And the fans are not happy. And it's brutally obvious from the way Alexa's doing things. She's not happy about it either. It's brutally obvious. Because she's staying true to that to still try to keep Bray alive even though he's not in WWE anymore. And i got to give her props. I really do. i, I got to give that girl props with props and credit where credit's due. Because she's doing a killer job at keeping The Fiend alive and keeping the fans happy 
with what's going on. Somewhat. We're not happy. None of us are. But like I said, every time she comes out, we get that chant. Every time you know, a major title match involving Lashley or Roman comes up, we get that chant. It comes up every single time. Because we feel, we all feel Bray Wyatt basically got, pardon my language, screwed. He royally got screwed. And he's not the only one. He's not the only one in WWE. There's others that have gotten screwed. We all know who they are. Those who are gone and those who are currently on the roster that have gotten screwed because Nick Khan doesn't like the way something goes. But anyways, the Alexa, I had to get on my soapbox about about Bray. I had to. It, it's bugging me. And to hear these chants during Alexa's match spoke volumes to me. It spoke volumes. But we, of course, did hear those chants. We won't Wyatt. It was an incredible, incredible match between Dewdrop and Alexa. But what happened was the most interesting. Because Ava has had a big problem with Lily. She's had a huge problem with Lily and has made it vocal, vocal to Dewdrop, made it vocal to everybody that she has a problem with this. And so she, that doll sitting up there and Dewdrop, aka Piper, goes to grab this doll. And she's holding Lily in her hand. Meanwhile, Alexa's behind her. Alexa's behind her. Perfectly in sight of the camera. Perfectly in sight. You can see Alexa. So you know Alexa has nothing to do with this. Sitting there. Crouched down in her usual Bray Wyatt pose. Waiting to attack Dewdrop. Dewdrop is holding Lily. And Lily, guys, winks. You heard me. Winks at Dewdrop. A.K.A. Piper. It freaks her out. Her face turns as white as a sheet and she puts that doll down, turns around, bam, gets took out. Alexa Bliss wins that match. Guys, it's incredible. Now, fast forward to now. Alexa to 816. Alexa is sitting in her playground with Lily. And they're talking and they're, you know, they're talking about everything that's been going on and da 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 da. da. And Dewdrop comes in. Earlier, Ava Marie had told her the only way that she's going to win a match against Alexa is for Dewdrop to go get that stupid doll and bring it to her. So she basically forces Piper, a.k.a. Dewdrop, to go get this doll. And uh, Dewdrop, of course, being, you know, Alexa, you know, do whatever, you know, Ava tells her to do, trying to be, you know, stay in good graces with Ava, even though we all know she's not happy with the way Ava's treating her, goes and gets shows, goes to the playground to try to take this doll. She actually shows up, and she grabs Lily out of Alexa's hand. And Alexa's literally sitting there and tells her, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And she's holding Lily. And her basically the doll's face is away from the camera, so we can't visually see what happens. But Dewdrop is holding this doll, and this doll does something. It does something worse than what it did when it winked at her last week to freak Dewdrop out to the point that Dewdrop just hands Lily back to Alexa, and Alexa goes, thank you, and takes it back. Well, Dewdrop comes back. To Ava, because Ava's waiting for this doll. She's waiting for this doll to be brought back to her. When Dewdrop comes back empty-handed with the doll and tries to explain to Ava what happened, Ava don't want to hear it. Ava doesn't care. She doesn't want to hear it. She tells Dewdrop, Dewdrop, you doing not bringing that doll to me is like a smack in the face. Do you have any idea what that feels like? And she smacks Piper, a.k.a. Dewdrop, not once, 
but twice in their face. I mean, pop and walks off. For those of you who are scratching your head going, why is she so focused on, you know, this whole thing with the doll? Because it's announced at SummerSlam, it will be Alexa Bliss versus Ava Marie in a one-on-one -on -one match. Dewdrop will be at her side, but it's Alexa versus Ava. Now, we all know Ava has not wrestled. She normally jumps in when she thinks she's got the match won, and they kick out of a move. She's always had Dewdrop do her wrestling for her. So it's going to be interesting to see. Are they actually going to let Ava show what she Because we... Guys, if y'all don't know, Ava, before she came back, trained with some of the top NXT superstars at the Performance Center. She trained. She got ring skills ready to return and actually wrestle. And WWE is doing what they did before with her. They're not letting Ava do what Ava can do. To me, it was a misuse of even training her if you weren't going to use her. If you were just going to use her to stand there and look pretty. To me, that's not, that's a blatant disrespect to Ava Marie. Because Ava Marie has done so, for those of you who don't know, she's done so much for women. She's done so much since she's been gone from WWE the first time. Ava has done so much for women around the world. And she's been such an inspiration to young girls and, you know, a lots of generation of women. And for you to bring her back and have her like this, it makes her look not only bad, but it makes her look stupid. And Ava's not stupid. She's not stupid. She went through all this vigorous training at NXT so that she could come to back to WWE ring ready and ready to go. And then you don't even use her. You don't really use her at all. And now you're going to throw her in a match with Alexa Bliss. Can will they let this time let her showcase what she can do? Will they let her take that training that she did in NXT and put it into a ring with Alexa? Can she beat Alexa? I don't think so. If they keep her the way they've had her all this time, she's not going to be able to beat Alexa. It's not even going to be a decent match. Could she let Dewdrop be in it? Could Dewdrop get involved? It's possible. But with the way things are going with Ava Marie and Dewdrop, a.k.a. Piper... I don't see Piper getting involved. I really don't see Piper playing any key role in this match at SummerSlam. I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. We're just going to have to wait and see what WWE officials do. Whether they'll do it or whether they won't, we're going to have to wait and find out. Well, then now we have, of course, we know everything that's been going on with Mason T-Bar. It's been kind of crazy with Mason T-Bar. It's been absolutely nuts with these guys. Mason T-Bar, of course, we saw a couple weeks back they faced the tag team that I told you guys I'd be excited to see, Mansoor and Ali. I thought it would be, they, I told you guys from the beginning, Mansoor and Mustafa Ali would be an incredible tag team. They would be just as incredible as Sheamus and Cesaro were. They would be incredible if they put the two of them together. Well, they have. And we've seen this metamorphosis of this tag team and seen how much Mansoor and Ali can work together as a team. We've seen how good they can be. And it's been amazing. I've loved it. I've loved this entire segment involving these two. It's been absolutely incredible. Now you've thrown Mason T-Bar into this. They got one up on Mason T-Bar a couple weeks back. 
and actually won. And then he turned around and Mason T-Bar beat Mustafa Ali and Mansoor the following week. Well, let's rewind back to 8-9. 8-9, apparently Mason T-Bar are back in the picture again involving Ali and Mansoor. This time it's T-Bar coming out with Mace versus Ali coming out with Mansoor. This is an incredible match. T-Bar Mace, they're incredible. I love them. They're absolutely an amazing team. They work great together. They work great separately. They're great in-ring performers. So is Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. They are incredible together and apart. They both can do some amazing stuff. So, you can only imagine how good this match was on 8-9. It was absolutely an incredible match. Of course, T-Bar did win that match against Ali. After the match, they tried to take out Ali again like they did the week your prior week. Well, Mansoor ain't having it, and he saves him and takes out Mace. Mansoor takes out Mace. Yes, you heard me correctly. The big, burly, big boy. The, I mean, the monster of a man. And he takes him out. I mean, literally takes him out. It was absolutely incredible to watch Mansoor do this. Ali was astonished. Ali was in shock just like the rest of us. He was like, did I just see this? Did Mansoor just do what I think he did? It was incredible. Fast forward to 816. And now we have Mace with T-Bar versus Mansoor with Ali. We've switched the roles. It's an incredible match. This one is even better than 8-9s. It's absolutely incredible. Amazing, amazing, amazing match between these two gentlemen. Really showing what they can do in a WWE ring. And they do it so flawlessly and so fantastically. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. It does end with Mansoor defeating Mace. You heard me correctly, my podcast listeners. It is Mansoor who defeats Mace. But he defeats him with the help of Ali. I'm telling you guys, this tag team is amazing. They're absolutely incredible. It takes me back to Cesaro and Sheamus' The Bar. It takes me back that far. I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing how far they're going to take Ali and Mansoor. I can, I mean, I can imagine them both getting the tag titles. That would be absolutely incredible. It, it would be amazing to see these two wearing gold around their waist as a tag team. It would be amazing. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Now we move on to Randy Orton versus Amos after what happened last week. We all, you know, we know what happened last week. I told you at the beginning, Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. He RKO'd Matt Riddle. We all, we all heard that at the beginning. So now we have Randy Orton versus Amos. Earlier that night, Matt Riddle had lost to AJ Styles because Randy had left and Matt Riddle's mind was not set on the match. He was more upset that Randy had abandoned him and went to the back. Randy Orton and Almost is an incredible match. AJ Styles, of course, is out there with Almost and it's an incredible match, guys. It is absolutely incredible. Almost is amazing. This man keeps impressing me every week. 
From starting out with just being the bodyguard that stands behind AJ to getting into a ring and showcasing what he really can do. What this big 6'7 man is capable of doing. And he can move. He can move like you wouldn't believe. And keeping up with a veteran like Randy Orton, that is amazing. That is absolutely incredible. I have to give him props where props is due. Because he gave Randy Orton a run for his money. He really pushed Randy Orton to his limits. I mean, literally pushed him to his limits. And just when you thought, you thought Randy Orton had it, what does AJ Styles do? He gets involved and causes a DQ, giving Randy Orton the win. Who did not see AJ Styles sticking his nose where it didn't belong? Who didn't see it? We knew it was coming. It was a matter of time. We knew it. And he stuck his nose where it didn't need to be. Of course, when he did, Matt Riddle wasn't having it. Even though Randy had left Riddle earlier in the night, Riddle just couldn't let this go. He could not give up on Randy quite yet. And he comes out after the match to go at AJ Styles. He literally comes out to help Randy Orton. Randy Orton, this whole thing is, Randy Orton doesn't want me. But I, I want Randy. I need Randy. And I have to prove to Randy that I belong as his tag team partner. I have to do it. I can't. You know, let this sit. I can't sit by and accept what he's told me. I just can't do it. And he comes out, and he gives me. He gets right in it, right in the middle of it with AJ and Omos. He does. He gets right in the middle of it. Riddle puts himself right in that fight and really tries to show Randy why why he deserves to give him a second chance. Why they need to give this tag team an opportunity. He really shows it, and it's 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 great. It's great. It's absolutely great. They get out of the ring. AJ and Omos are standing up there, you know, trying to lick the wounds after getting beat. Randy's pacing back and forth. You're not quite sure what Randy's thinking, what's going through Randy's head. You're seeing him pace back and forth. You're watching this go down. And Randy, you know, grabs him, walks over there and tells the, tells the guy, hand me a mic. Hand me a mic. I gotta say something now. Hand it, hand it, hand it. And he hands Randy the mic and Randy's pacing back and forth. He goes, kid, I tell you, I do things by myself. And what do you do? You come out here. Time and time and time and time and time and time and time again, getting involved in my matches just to try to prove something to me, just to try to show something to me. I told you, when I'm in a match, it's all about respect. I have to get respect from the person that I'm facing or the person that's with me. You have to earn my respect. And kid, you just earned my respect. For coming out here, even though I pushed you away, you came back. You kept coming back. You basically showed me that you're not going to take what I say lying down. And that is respect. That is true respect. You've earned it. You have earned my respect. And as for RK Bro, and everybody's hanging on that word because he leaves us hanging for just a millisecond. He leaves us hanging. He says, RK Bro's back on. The crowd erupts. Jimmy Smith goes nuts. Byron Saxton goes nuts. Corey Graves isn't too enthused about it. But we all know Corey Graves is Corey Graves. He's never enthused about anything unless it's something that he really gets into. But everybody else is excited. They're chanting. They're screaming. They're happy. AJ and Omos, definitely not. They don't want this team back together. They enjoy beating the heck out of Matt Riddle without Randy Orton. Now they have Randy Orton. Now they don't want to do well, after the match, after the hug, the hug, basically the hug around the world, 
Riddle takes the same mic and tells AJ Styles and them, I talked to Pierce in the back. And you guys have a match at SummerSlam for those tag titles. And AJ and Omos are like, we do. We weren't told about this. What are, what are you talking about? And Randy goes, your match for the tag titles is against me and Randy Orton. That was to that to me was epic. You telling me that RK Bro that just got together is going to face Omos and AJ for the Raw Tag Team Titles? This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible that we're going to get to see this match at SummerSlam. It's really going to happen. RK Bro is really going to go for the tag titles. That's incredible. It's going to be a great match. I'm excited about this. I'm this. No, I'm not. I mean, lately with the card, I've not been really excited about SummerSlam, but this, this got my attention. I'm like, ooh, I can't wait for this because this is going to be a good match. I really think it is. Omos and AJ are really going to have to step up their game against the Viper. They really are because the Viper is the X Factor. He is the one thing in that match that can get them the tag titles. He is the one person that is very hard to get by because he's what? The legend killer. He's the viper. He, we all know what he's capable of. We've seen what he's done in tag team matches prior. We've seen him carry the SmackDown tag team titles with Bray Wyatt. We've seen it happen. So for it to happen again would be incredible. It would be absolutely incredible. And AJ and Almost are going to have to step up their game to take on Randy Orton, especially because, like I said, Randy Orton is the X Factor. He is the determining, dominating force that can get these tag titles for him and Riddle. He can. I know he can. Riddle can do it too if Riddle is on his A game and doing what he does best. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Now, we all know everything that's been going on with Karrion Cross. We know that WWE has been using, you know, some of the NXT roster to try to, you know, help, you know, get, try to transition them over and get used to NXT, get used to being out of NXT, and give them a chance to see if they like Monday Night Raw, or if they like SmackDown, if they want to come over. Well, they've been using Karrion Cross as of late. We've seen him with Keith Lee. We've seen him with Jeff Hardy. You know, we've seen him in some pretty good fights. Well, his Jeff Hardy match a few weeks back kind of left a bad taste in Karrion Cross's mouth. It kind of really left a bad taste in his mouth. So, re fast forward back, or rewind back, fast forward, rewind back to 8-9. Jeff Hardy makes his return to WWE after being out for a couple weeks because he wasn't medically cleared. We all know what the medically cleared thing was. I'm not even going to go into it. We know what it was. We're not even going to go into that. I don't even know why WWE uses that. They should just tell the truth and be honest about it. But Jeff Hardy returns and he faces Karrion Cross in round two. It's an incredible match between Karrion Cross and Jeff Hardy. Amazing match on 8-9. Really showcases what these two are capable of doing and what they can do. Which goes to show just how good this feud could be if Karrion decides to come to Monday Night Raw when he decides to leave NXT. Going to be incredible to see what happens, but it really gives, you know, Karrion a chance to right that wrong and correct that wrong that happened the first time he faced Jeff. And it's a great match. It really is. It's an incredible match. It leads to Karrion Cross, of course, winning that match on 8-9 against Jeff Hardy with a cross jacket. Fast Forward 
2.816. We have Karrion Cross versus Jeff Hardy again. How many times is Jeff Hardy going to have to take a beating from Karrion Cross, the Doomsday Sumacita, before he finally gets to the point he can't beat Karrion Cross? He uh, he got lucky one time. He ain't going to get lucky again. Again, incredible match between these two. Incredible, incredible match. Really gets Karrion Cross's feet wet. It gets it I mean, gets a great match. And again, Karrion Cross defeats Jeff Hardy. With a modified, he had to modify it, a modified cross jacket. It's an interesting match. Guys, go look it up on social media. You will love it. It's incredible. This feud between Jeff Hardy and Karrion Cross, I think it's far from over. It could get really good, but it's a great, it's a great feud. It's a really good way to get Karrion Cross's feet wet, and I like it. Well, tag team match. Remember, I told you guys, Rhea Ripley. And Nikki Cross, you basically did what they did to Charlotte. And Pierce and DeVille told Charlotte, you can either sit here and pout about it and wait till SummerSlam to face Nikki, or you can find you a tag team partner and face Nikki Cross and Rhea Ripley tonight on Raw. Well, Charlotte takes the high road. She decides, I'm going to finish what I started, and I'm going to face them in a tag team. I'm gonna you'll get this beat down done before SummerSlam so I can go into SummerSlam with a win under my belt and I can really show Rhea Ripley and Nikki Cross what or Nikki Ash what I'm all about. I can finally show these two what I'm all about. And so we get a tag team match. We get Rhea Ripley versus Nikki Ash. Charlotte Flair comes out and we're waiting to see because we all know Charlotte Flair does not have any friends. She has a lot of enemies in the back. She really doesn't have very many friends in the back. It turns out that her tag team partner is none other than the irresistible force, Nia Jax. And it's a good match, guys. I'm telling you, I stand by Wild Women's Division, and this is a great match between four good competitors. Four good women who are tough, strong, and defiant to the bitter end. And it is a great match between these four. You need to go look it up. It's incredible. I promise you, you will love this match. It, it Telling you guys how this match is does not do it justice. You need to see it firsthand. It's an incredible match. Of course, Charlotte Flair and Nia Jax do win that match, but Charlotte Flair takes all the credit for the win. Nia, not impressed. Not a good idea to upset Nia Jax when she's already not your friend. You're just making it even worse for yourself. Because we all know as Charlotte gets that title at SummerSlam, Nia Jax could be the one that comes after. It's highly possible. It may not be Rhea. It may be, you know, Nia. You know, we never know. Now, we all know the thing with Goldberg. Oh, do we all know the thing with Goldberg. We know what's been going on with Goldberg and Lashley. And I told you guys, I shouted it for the rooftops for the last couple of weeks. Bringing Goldberg and John Cena back to WWE for SummerSlam is a blatant disrespect to Lashley and Roman Reigns, who are the title holders who have been carrying this company all this time for well over a year. And you're going to blatantly disrespect them by bringing back two part-timers. You guys know how I feel about part-timers. I told you guys how I feel about Cena. We've talked about the Brock Lesnar when he used to be there. His part in being a part-timer. I told you guys how I feel about part-timers. I don't like them coming in. Because when they get a title, they walk off with it. And we don't see it for a while. And Roman and Lashley have been bringing those titles day in, 
day out to every event and defending them every night and bringing Cena and Goldberg back for this one time to possibly give them the titles is a blatant disrespect and a smack in the face to Roman and Lashley. That's just my opinion on it. You may disagree. You may think it's going to be an incredible match. To me, I just don't think that it's... I mean, I think it might be a good match between Cena and Roman, but Goldberg and Lashley? No. It's, but it's like I said, they're both part-timers. I don't like them disrespecting Lashley and Roman. I just don't. That's how I feel about it. That's where I stand with it. But we all know what's been going on with Goldberg and everything that's been happening. And we know what happened last week with MVP and Gage. We know he's been bringing Gage to the shows, which is really nice to see how much Gage Goldberg has grown up. It's good to see that and for him to get the opportunity to see his dad wrestle in a ring when before he probably wouldn't because his dad had left WWE a long time ago. So it's great. I'm happy that he's doing that. But we all know what happened, what's been going on with those two. We know what's been happening. Well, Goldberg and him are having a face-to-face. -face. Goldberg comes out to the chance of Goldberg, Goldberg, blah, blah, blah. We know what happened. And his son is sitting in the at ringside with some of his friends that Goldberg brought, so that he you know, he had a little bit of support. And I like that. I think that's cool that his friends get to come and watch, you know, Gage's dad be in a WWE ring. That's pretty cool. That's really cool to me. That would be a great experience if you know my father or my mother was a member of WWE. That would be great. That would be fantastic. I would love that to get to have that experience. But Gage Goldberg is, you know, he is at ringside. And he says, look, the reason I came out of retirement is because of my son. That is the reason I came out of retirement, because of my son, Gage. He made that perfectly clear a few years back when he showed up for the first time. Gage was maybe about 10 or 11. He's 15 now, and we've, we saw that kid's eyes just light up to see his dad step into a WWE ring. It was absolutely incredible. He goes, look, I told him. He says, look, I told him all about me. I told him everything that he needs to know. And he goes, look, son, you can go online and watch Goldberg videos on YouTube or on Instagram or anywhere that you want to watch it and learn about what Goldberg was. But I think to really understand who I truly am, it's better to have you in the ring or at ringside so you can see who your dad really is. So you know who Goldberg really is. Who he really is. And I think that's incredible that he wants to share that experience with his son. Because it's not the same watching it on a, video, on, on a computer screen or on your cell phone than when it is sitting in an arena and watching it as it happens. To watch this. To me, that is a new, that's, that's a legitimate reason to come out of retirement. That's a great reason to come out of retirement. So that your son can know who you are and not what he hears and what he sees online. That, to me, is incredible. And he goes, look, I want you to know who I am. I really do. Well, in the middle of this, of course, MVP and Lashley do come out. And MVP's running his mouth. And like I told you guys, I love MP MVP. I do. Don't get me wrong. MVP is incredible. He's absolutely incredible. But in my opinion, MVP should not be talking for Lashley. Lashley should be the one doing the talking because Lashley's the one that's got to face Goldberg at SummerSlam. So in order to be, you know, dominating, to be proved that, hey, I can take on this legend, this Hall of Famer, 
I should be the one doing the talking, but no MVP does. And MVP starts, you know, blah, 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 running his mouth, disrespecting Gage, disrespecting Goldberg, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, finally, Bobby Lashley's had enough, and he takes the mic. He takes the mic. He's had enough of it. He can't take it anymore. He wants to say what he said, what he wants to say, and he's like, look, the champ's in the ring right now. I'm here right now. He goes, look, you're playing by the house rules, and the house is always wins. Lashley literally is pacing back and forth saying this, and he walks right up to Goldberg's face, gets right in Goldberg's face, doesn't flinch, doesn't even give him an inch, and he's right in his face, showing exactly why I said he should have been doing the promo from the beginning, showing his dominance, showing that he can take on this Hall of Famer. He gets right in his face, and Lashley says, and the house always wins. And then Lashley drops the mic, takes a swing at Goldberg. I mean, a haul-out swing. The Goldberg misses, ducks under, turns around and spears Bobby Lashley in front of everybody. I mean, just takes Lashley out. The day, you know, the week of SummerSlam, and he just wipes Lashley out. Spear out of nowhere. Do I see, and I'm making a prediction right now for SummerSlam. Do I see and this isn't a prediction, guys. This is a spoiler. I'm gonna. I'm, I, I, I'm taking your playbook from Paul Heyman. This is no prediction. This is a spoiler. Do I think Goldberg will defeat Bobby Lashley for the WWE title at SummerSlam? No, I don't. I think this is a totally different Lashley. Goldberg has never faced Lashley. He's never even been in a ring with Bobby Lashley. I think. Lashley's going to beat him all over the place. I think Lashley's got his number. I don't think Goldberg is going to successfully defeat Bobby Lashley. I think Bobby Lashley is going to mop the floor with Bill Goldberg. Are we going to get a good match between the two of them? Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be incredible. But Lashley's really going to showcase his dominance. He's going to showcase why he truly is the one true almighty WWE champion. He's going to show Goldberg what happens when you step into the almighty's ring. He's going to prove it. He's going to prove that he can take on a Hall of Famer and beat him. I mean, Romans beat Goldberg. Drew McIntyre's beat Goldberg. Why can't Bobby Lashley? I think, like I said again, spoiler, Bobby Lashley wins the WWE Championship retains it at SummerSlam. I believe it's going to happen. Could MVP play a role in it? Possible. But if I was WWE, I would leave MVP out of it and let Bobby Lashley do what Bobby Lashley do. Let that man showcase why he is the WWE champion. Why he has that title. Why he deserves that title. Let him go one-on-one -on -one with Goldberg and let him show Goldberg what happens when you step in his ring? That's just my belief system. That's what I believe. You may disagree. You may think that Bobby Lashley is going to lose. And that's fine. Tell me on social media what you think. Get on there and give me a shout out. But I'm telling you, this is, a this is not a prediction. This is a spoiler. SummerSlam, Bobby Lashley retains the WWE Championship against Goldberg. And that's what I believe. I could be completely wrong. But that's what I believe. Okay, guys, let's move on to SmackDown 4. 
8.13 and 8.20. Let's get on into SmackDown, guys. Let's get the SmackDown show on the road, shall we? All right. Friday Night SmackDown. Let's go back to 8.13. Let's just go back a little bit to 8.13 and kind of get some little juices flowing here. On 8.13, SmackDown opens, of course, with John Cena. And John Cena, we know he's facing Roman at SummerSlam. We know that's coming. We know that he's been trying to school Roman in every which way he possibly can. And so, we're going to be interested to see what Cena has to say at the opening of SmackDown on 8.13. He comes out and he claims school's back in session. He's going to give Roman Reigns his report card. He says that <clears throat> at SummerSlam, Roman gets a D. A D? Seriously? I wouldn't expect Roman to get an A. Maybe a B. Come on, guys. Roman's a, an A+. Plus. A D? You're really going to give him a D, John Cena? Okay. He tells him at SummerSlam, he's going, yeah, he's going to give me you know, a beat down. Oh, Roman's going to beat me down. Oh, he's going to beat me down bad. It's, it's going to be a bad beat down. He, he, uh, yeah, he goes, but I'm going to ask a question for the crowd. Just going to ask y'all a question. Do you think Roman will beat the hell out of me at SummerSlam? The crowd, of course, says no. They don't think he will. But, of course, like I told you, John Cena goes, oh, yeah, he's going to beat the hell out of me. He's going to beat the living daylights out of me, guys. You know, it's going to be all Roman literally beating me. But, Roman will lose at SummerSlam. Roman's had enough. He has heard enough of John Cena till he can't stand it no more, and he comes out. He literally comes out with Paul Heyman, gets up in his face, and of course this is the face-to-face -face with Roman and John Cena. We earlier heard Goldbergs and Lashley's. Can Roman and John Cena do better than Lashley and Goldberg? Is it possible they could do better in a face-to-face? Could they really motivate people like me to think, okay, yeah, this could be a good match between Cena and Roman? Well, let's find out. He starts mocking Roman first. And Roman basically is asking for a mic. He's tired of hearing it. He's done with it. That's my champion. Stand up and tell him. I, that's the head of the table. I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to put up with this. Let's stand up and say what I got to say. And he gets his mic. And he claims, look, again, yeah, you'll beat me. And Roman asks, is that all you got? Classic Roman Reigns. Is that really all you got, John Cena? Is that all you're able to say to me? Is, oh, you'll beat me? You'll beat the heck out of me? Really? Really? <clears throat> he goes, look, WWE belongs to the fans. Really? Does it really belong to the fans? Really? They've been pushing you over for 10 years and you fail after fail after fail. Ooh, Roman taking a little stab. Ooh, a stab. I like it. He then asks, he says, look, you know, you come back and I'm going to put you in your place at SummerSlam. I am. I'm going to put you in your place at SummerSlam. He says, look, you say the same thing over and over and over again. You're going to kick my tail at SummerSlam. You know, look, is he, he, you know, basically he claims he's here to help Roman. Really, Cena, you're here to help Roman? No, 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 no. You're never here to help anybody. You're just here to get that pop, to get those ticket sales. That's what you're here for, John Cena. No offense. Roman thinks it's funny. Roman is laughing at Cena the whole time. Like, really? Really, 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 really. He says, look, 
I respect you, Cena. I do. I respect you completely. I've respected you from day one. I do. I really do. He's like, you know, I'm tired of it. You know, I'm tired of hearing you. I'm just proud to say that I'm going to beat John Cena. I'm going to be proud to shout from the rooftops at the head of the table, beat John Cena. Oh, this promo's getting good, guys. This promo's starting to look better than Goldberg's and Lashley's. It really is. It really is. He goes, you balance, he goes, how you balance both Hollywood and WWE is beyond me. And you think you're good enough to be the universal champ? Really? I think you think I think you think you'd be good enough to beat the WWE champion. The universal champion? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. He goes, missionary might have been good for you. I, there's the missionary again, guys. There it is again. I love him using this. It's absolutely incredible. The fans love it. This is completely out of character for Roman Reigns. But he goes and tells him, missionary might have been good for you, John. But it wasn't good enough for Nikki Bella. Ooh, burn! That was a major burn. I mean, literally, you heard the crowd go, <gasps> like they held their body. You heard, ooh, I mean, it was a burn. And you could see it burned John Cena. It burned him. Way to go, Roman Reigns. Way to go. Standing up for your, standing up for it. That was a burn. And I loved it. Because, look, you've been protected all your, all your entire career. You're, John Cena's like, you have been protected your entire career. He's like, you were protected by the shield. You almost ruined Seth Rollins. And hell, you ran Dean Ambrose out of WWE. You just used Roman's best friend, Dean Ambrose, against him? John Moxley? Have you lost your ever-loving mind, John Cena? And you literally hear the crowd go, <gasps> when he mentioned Dean. You literally heard that crowd just like gasp. It was unbelievable. And you could see Roman's jaw twitch slightly. You could even hear Pat McAfee and, Adam, and Michael Cole go, uh-oh. You could hear that uh-oh in their breath and their, and their voice. It was like, oops. You just mentioned Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley. Not a good idea. Not a good idea at all, John. Not a good comeback. Not a good comeback. Not good at all. He says, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to take your title. I'm going to jump the barricade. Hell, I might even blow you a kiss on the way out. And all I have to do is beat you. One, two, three. And he walks out. The whole time Roman is grinning. Not even. The only time you saw him flinch is when he mentioned Moxley. That is the only time that you ever see him flinch. Roman's standing there just like flawless. I'm sorry, guys. If you want to see this promo, and I highly recommend you do. I highly recommend you go see this face-to-face. This -face because it blows Goldberg and Lashley out of the water. It literally destroys it. It made me, as a fan who was not really enthusiastic of a Roman Reigns-John Cena fight, it literally made me go, okay, now I want to watch this fight. Now I want to see this. I want to see what these two are going to do to each other. It got my attention. So I'm telling you, go on your social media and look up this promo. It is killer. It is a killer 
setup. It is a seriously great setup. And I promise you, what I just told you does not do justice to what you would see. It's absolutely, you've got to go see it for yourself. It's absolutely, absolutely incredible. It really is. Now we really fast forward to 816. This SmackDown starts out with Edge. And we all know what's going on with Edge. We know everything that's been going on with Edge and Seth. And he tells Seth, look, I heard and saw, we all know that Edge wasn't there last week. Most of us have a pretty good idea why, but we're not going to shout it from the rooftops and we're not going to say it. But he wasn't there, neither was Beth Phoenix. You guys do the math. You guys do the math. You, you know what I'm talking about. We're just going to leave that one alone. But he tells him, look, I heard and saw what you did and what you said last week. I, I heard it loud and clear. I know that it was seven years ago that you tried to do what you tried to do. I get it. I've been gone for seven years. I get it. I get it. Believe me, I get it. He's like, look, and I still feel it. Today, I still feel it. I still feel everything. I feel it. And I, I get it. <clears throat> I thought about my wife. I thought about my girls. And I know if you hit that curb stomp on me at SummerSlam, I know it will probably end my career. I know it will. I don't even have to question it. I know it will. I take my cues from Every person I fight from their eyes, I take my cues. I know how to do it. I know what's going on. I know what's in a person's head just by looking in their eyes. And when I look in your eyes, I know you mean what you say. I know you mean what you say. Everything you say, Seth Rollins, I know you mean it. You mean exactly what you say. But for me, you've pushed me into a dark place. That's hard for me to come back from. We all know that dark place. We remember the edge of old. We know how dark edge can get. We know it. We see. We've seen it. We've tasted it. If you haven't and you're new to this. Go look up edge back when he was in the brood. Go look up edge back when it, you know he was when he first showed up in WWE. When it was WWF. Go back and look at this. Or you will see what I'm talking about. We know how dark and the how far uh, the darkest depths Edge can get to. We know it. We've seen it. We felt it. We know it. He says, and you want to know what? You sending me to that dark place that I can't get back from? I like it. I like being there. I like it. A place where my blood runs black. Black. He loves it. He says, look, I'm not going to have to hurt you. I'm going to have to humble you. I'm going to have to burn you down at SummerSlam. <laughs> Whoa! That is epic. Now, for those of you who are going, what the heck is he talking about? What did Seth, what did Seth say last week that could possibly have put Edge in this mindset? Well, let's go backwards to 8-9 and let's find out. Seth Rollins comes out and comments on how the how the crowd is fired up tonight. Tells him, look, Edge is in here, so you guys can chant for Edge all you want, but he's not here. It's just it's just little old me tonight. So be listening. He goes, look, I think being called Edge Light is great. I love it. I like being considered Edge Light. I love it. Absolutely love it. He can't stand that my career was better than his. Really? 
Yes, Seth, your career was incredible. You've had a career, an amazing career in WWE, but so has Edge. So this is interesting that you would say this. Very interesting that you would say this. Now, guys, remember this was on eight nine. This references to what Edge said on eight six on on uh, or actually this was eight thirteen. This references to what Edge said on eight twenty. This represents what he's trying to say. And he said, "Look, <clears throat> he showed you know a little promo of how he's better than Edge." Guys, you have to go online to see this promo. It's absolutely, you're like, what? What, Seth? It's, you would have to see this online to understand what I'm saying. He goes, look, you know, I've watched the footage, and I've had a revelation that I should have been thinking about a long time ago. If I had stomped you back in 2014, you would never have had this comeback. We would never have had this dream match if I had done what I had planned to do in 2014. If I had stomped you, if I had stomped you into that money in the bank contract, we wouldn't be where we are now. We wouldn't be having this dream match. This isn't 2014. And at SummerSlam, I won't hesitate. I will stomp you this time. I will stomp you into that mat and in your career for good. So that your wife and kids, you can go home to your wife and kids and your kids can push you around in a wheelchair and you can have, you know, live the rest of your life as a father instead of a wrestler. Seth Rollins stooped to levels that I never thought Seth Rollins could stoop to. I know what Seth's capable of, but I also know what Edge is capable of. This mind games back and forth between Edge and Seth is incredible. It's absolutely incredible because Edge is the king of mind games so for Seth to be doing the same thing makes you just want to see this match this match is going to be incredible it is going to be absolutely and utterly incredible I mean I am really looking forward to this match I really am of course let's go back we go back to 813 and we, of course we know what's been going on with the Mysterios Mysterious versus Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. This is an incredible, incredible match between these two. These two teams. Of course, the Usos get up there, try to distract them on the on the screen, and blah, 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 because we know the Mysterios have a rematch at SummerSlam against the Usos for the tag titles. So the Usos guys will got to do what they can do to play mind games, to mess with the Mysterios. Of course, the Mysterios, it doesn't work. They still win. It's a great match, guys. It's absolutely incredible, which takes us to 820, where it's Rey Mysterio versus Jay Uso. Of course, Jimmy Uso comes out with Jay, and Dominic comes out with Rey. This match is one of those you're sitting there going, what the heck just happened? This match is unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable. And the ending is just one of those that you got to scratch your head because Jay Uso does win it. But Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic, tries to do what he did a couple of weeks ago and catch lightning in a bottle twice by putting his feet up on Rey when Rey has, you know, Jay pinned. The ref catches him this time and throws Dominic out. Well, when Dominic's trying to go out and Rey's trying to talk to Dominic, they both get attacked, and that's how Jay Uso wins the match. Not quite sure what's going to happen with this tag titles. Not quite sure what's going to happen. Can the Mysterios get them back? Can they not? Don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if the Mysterios can pull a rabbit out of their hat or not. 
Well, here comes Baron Corbin. Now, for those of you who are wondering, you know, what's been going on with Baron Corbin, you know, what happened, let's go back to 813 and I'll give you a little brief overview so you understand what's going on on 820. On 813, Baron Corbin comes out. This is his last attempt to try to raise money before he goes bankrupt. And he comes out and he lets us know that he will have to file bankruptcy if we don't help him out. And he's asking everybody for help. And he's like, look, if everyone is just pitching $1,000, that's all I need. $1,000? Do you really think half of these people can afford to give you $1,000 out of their pocket? They just shelled out $400, $500 for a WWE ticket. That is all the money they got. They might have a little bit for souvenirs, but they just shelled out $400, $500 for a WWE ticket. I don't think they're going to be able to afford $1,000 for you. I just don't think so, Baron Corbin. I don't see it. But, of course, he tells them, look, if you guess, just give me $1,000. That's all I need, just $1,000. That's it. Well, Kevin Owens comes out. I do believe Kevin Owens has finally had enough. I think that he's heard enough of this. He's done with it with his shenanigans. He doesn't want to hear it anymore. Well, he comes out, and he basically tells them, look, I tried to help you. You wouldn't do it. I just want you to stop. Stop asking these people for money. Look what you've done. You ruined Finn Balor's contract signing. Oh, yeah, he did. He cost Finn Balor the match against Roman Reigns. That, to me, was low down enough. And for Kevin Owens to call that out, thank you, Kevin, for calling out the truth and calling a rat where a rat is needed. You ruined, you ruined Finn Balor's contract signing. You go to Ron, you ask Drew for $10,000. Baron says, look, I'm not leaving until I get $1,000 from everybody in the crowd. Again, Baron. They shut up four hundred, five hundred dollars for a ticket. They'll be lucky if they can even. That's probably their entire savings for that week. They'll be lucky if they can even pay. Yeah, they've got enough for souvenirs and that might, and you know, gas and food. That's probably they ain't not, not, not everybody in WWE that comes to watch these matches are rich. Come on, guys. They save up their money for a ticket. They save it up months ahead. Come on. He's like, look, I'm not leaving until I get a thousand dollars from everybody. Kevin goes, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $1,000, but you have to beat me in a match, and you'll get your $1,000, but if you lose, you have to stop this, you have to stop asking people for money, you just have to drop this all together. Baron Corbin agrees, and so we get a match between Kevin Owens and Baron Corbin. It's an incredible match, it really is, it's absolutely an amazing match. <laughs> It ends with Baron Corbin, of course, losing to Kevin Owens. So guess what? He cannot ask for any more money. So what does Baron do? He's in the back. And they come up to, you know, ask him quest questions and what he's going to do next. And what does Baron do? He sees an opportunity to take off and runs off, grabs Big E's money in the bank contract and runs off with it with Big E chasing him, which leads to now. In 820, here comes Baron Corbin with that money in the bank contract. Pat McAfee and all of us are calling a rat when we see it. You did it again. You stole someone else's moment. Trying to make your own. You First you caused Finn his contract signing. And now you steal Big E's moment? Are you kidding me? By stealing his money in the bank contract? Really? When he comes out. So we get Baron Corbin versus Kevin Owens again. 
It's an incredible match. Of course, Kevin Owens does win it because Big E comes out furious, and I don't blame Big E at all, comes out and takes out Baron Corbin and causing the DQ, which gives Kevin Owens the win. Baron Corbin then, they get into a fight. Big E's actually got the upper hand. We think Big E's going to get his contract back. No! Baron Corbin takes out Big E and runs off with a contract that's not his. Really, Baron Corbin? You have to go to those extreme measures to steal a contract just because you can't have it your way. You stole one contract from Finn Balor. Now you steal a Money in the Bank contract from Big E. Really? Really, you're really going to stoop to that level. I'm calling a rat as I see it. You're a rat. You are a dirty rat who steals moments from other people to try to make them your own. And that bugs me. Well, next we have Shotzi Blackheart versus Tegan Knox. Where Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox versus Tamina and Natalia. Natalia has returned. I'm so happy to see Natalia back. I was very thrilled to see her back. It's a great match. It really is. I mean, these four girls showcase what they can do. And like I told you, I've stood by my women's division. They've done great. It's a great match. Of course, Tegan Knotts and Shotzi Blackheart do win that match. Not happy that they lost, that Tamina and Natalia get disrespected like that. But then again, they could, you know, it's not for the tag titles, so I'm not too worried about it. But it's a good match. I will give it that. It is a good match. So then we move on. So, we all saw the thing with, with Edge. Now, it's Seth Rollins' turn to come out. And Seth comes out. And, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, he's dressed all in white. This suit is as white as white can be. It's a beautiful white suit. I mean, the tie, the shirt, the jacket, the pants, even the shoes are white. He's all in white, looking like an angel walking out there. He looks absolutely incredible. And he comes out to discuss his match with Edge. Because, of course, we saw early in the night, Edge had his chance. Now it's Seth's turn to, you know, give a rebuttal and get set up for the match. Seth, of course, comes and gets the mic. And he says, Edge, I gotta admit, I like your style. Typical Seth Rollins, I like it, I like it, I like it. He goes, you know, the crowd's still chanting Edge just like they did last week. Of course, Seth cannot say Edge isn't here because we all know Edge is. We saw him earlier. And he goes, look, you had Edge. Now it's my turn. You have me. It's my turn. Oh, Lord, it's all about me. Really, Seth? Seriously? And he starts mocking Edge. Typical Seth. We know that's how Seth Rollins is. That's how he does everything. But he's mocking Edge. He goes, look, there's no shame in being beaten. There's no shame in being a father. There's no shame in any of that. And like I told you last week in 2014, I hesitated to stop you. This time, I'm not afraid to, and I'm gonna. And he just keeps going on and on about Edge. Well, in the middle of the map, in the middle of this promo, the lights start flickering. And what I mean by flickering, guys, remember what Edge said earlier in the night. He's pushed him to dark places that he doesn't like to go. All of you uh, that are, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean by flickering lights. But for those of you who don't, the lights start flickering dark red. I mean red. And the brood music hits. 
Seth's looking around. He's looking for Edge. We're all looking for Edge going, oh my god, this is Brood Edge. Are we going to get this? And we're all looking around for him. And it's like, it's incredible. You see Seth looking around everywhere for him. I mean, I'm literally coming out of my seat going, oh my god, this is Brood Edge. This is serious. This is twisted. This is Gangrel Edge. I love this. This is incredible. For those of you who've never seen it, go back and look up the Brood. I'm promising you guys it's going to get your attention. It is going to get it in a big way. But the music's hitting, the lights are flashing, Seth's looking around trying to find Edge. The screen comes on. The Titan Tron. And on the Titan Tron, we see Edge. And he's all, I mean, just you can see that dark side. Those eyes are dark. That face is dark. It's red behind, all around him. He is just dark. We can see it's brood edge and he's looking. He's boring a hole through Seth Rollins. And we see it. And Seth turns around to look at that screen because Seth can see it. And you can see that fear. Just for a split second, you see that fear in Seth. You can see it. The crowd is going nuts. They are loving this. They are absolutely loving this edge that they're seeing on the screen. He basically looks and goes, beware and take care. Because the freaks come out at night. Next thing that happens, Seth Rollins, remember, is in a white suit. Out of nowhere from the ceiling above, black goo, I mean goo, brood black drops onto Seth Rollins, covering him from head to toe. I mean, that white suit is no longer white, it's black. It's everywhere. It's so big, it gets on the camera crew, it hits the front row, it is, I mean, it's everywhere. Seth is covered in this from head to toe. His eyes, everything, his hair, it's everywhere. It's all over the room. Even it's Pat McAfee and Michael Cole. It's that strong. It drops. Seth is mad. He's, you hear the evil laughter from the screen when it drops. We're all cheering going, oh my god, oh my god, we got we're going back to the brood. It's absolutely incredible. Seth tries to get up. He falls. It's absolutely, and you can see it. He wipes his eyes off that jaw, twitching that, oh, he's, oh, you can see he's human because he just got brood bathed. He just got it. And, he, and then I'm sitting here going, yeah, yeah, you pushed Edge over the edge. You pushed him to a place you're not going to like, Seth, a place you've not seen. And it's not going to be pretty. This part, this whole segment, made me so excited for this match at SummerSlam. I'm excited to see what Edge might actually do. I'm excited to see what might actually happen to poor little Seth Rollins at this match. Because we all know Edge doing what he just did, this is a darker side of Edge. This is a side Seth has never dealt with. He dealt with the, you know, Playful edge. He's not dealt with this twisted, dark side, brood edge. He's not dealt with him, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be in really interesting to see what happens. It's amazing. It's awesome. If you guys want to go see it, go look it up on social media. It is incredible. I promise you, you're just going to get goosebumps. You're going to get excited. It's amazing. It is absolutely and utterly amazing. I love it. 
Back to 813. Let's go back. Of course, Sonia DeVille, she comes out, and there's a contract signing between Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. We know Sasha Banks has a match against Bianca Belair at SummerSlam, and of course, Sasha comes out, and she asks, you know, Sasha, are you ready? Are you ready to do this? And she says, if you want a title shot at well, against me, then all you had to do was ask. Bianca's like, that's all you had to say was ask. Just ask me, and I would have given you a title shot. You didn't have to do what you did. You didn't have to do it at all. You could have just left it alone. And just ask me. Just come up and ask me. And they start fighting. Well, Sonya Deville's had enough. She's had enough with Charlotte. She's had enough with yeah, the entire women's division. She tells them, blah, blah, blah. I make the rules around here. We're not going to have a fight. You're both going to sit down. You're going to be quiet. And you're going to sign this contract. Do you understand me? Do you understand that I'm in charge, not you? And so Sasha tells her, whoa, Bianca, of course, signs it. And says that she slides it over to Sasha. And Sasha goes, before I sign it, I need some witnesses. And out comes Carmilla and Zelina Vega. Oh, who did not see Sasha doing this? Who did not see her taking, you know, bringing these two people that Bianca's had problems with on her side? And they come out. And they stand next to her, and she goes, you didn't see that coming, did you, rookie? And she proceeds to sign the contract with Selena Vega and Carmella there. Well, after it, Bianca smells a rat. She's not stupid, and she literally goes at Sasha Banks over the top of the desk, beating the heck out of Sasha. Bianca's outnumbered. Carmilla and Zelina get involved. It's a messy fight, and it ends, of course, with Sasha Banks wrapping Bianca Belair's hair around her and doing a bank statement on top of the desk. It's going to be an interesting match. It really is. It's going to be a seriously interesting match between Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. We've been waiting for this since WrestleMania. It's going to be interesting. Really, really, really interesting. The reason why I did this is because we're going to go forward to 820. Bianca Belair basically makes sure that Sasha knows that at, at SummerSlam, she's going to take her out. She's going to make it perfectly clear, crystal clear tonight, what she's going to do to Sasha Banks at SummerSlam. And that she's going to walk out with the SmackDown Women's title. And she's going to do that by making an example of Sasha's two little witnesses. Carmilla and Zelina Vega. So, not only does before, the night before SummerSlam, does Bianca put herself in one match, she puts herself in two. Her first match is with Zelina Vega. And it's an incredible match. Absolutely a fantastic match. Bianca Belair beats Zelina Vega. Carmella comes out and decides to attack Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair decides, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to make an example of you, too. So Sasha can see what awaits her when she walks into Allegiance Arena on Saturday in Las Vegas to face me for the title. I'm going to make an example out of you, just like I did Zelina Vega. And she takes out Carmilla as well in another incredible match. She pretty much makes her own statement to Sasha Banks, which means it's going to be an incredible fight, guys. An incredible fight. We're going to get a great another WrestleMania moment between Bianca Belair and Sasha because they literally bring down the house when the two of these ladies are together. So it's going to be amazing to see what happens 
at SummerSlam between Sasha Banks and Bianca. Can Bianca walk out with the you know, SmackDown Women's Championship? Or will Sasha have her number and get her title back? It's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be really interesting to see. My bet's on Sasha. I love Bianca, don't get me wrong, I do, but my bet, Sasha's going to walk away with that title. That, I mean, because it'll keep the feud fresh between these two ladies. They can go back and forth like this all the way to WrestleMania next year. It could be really good if WWE gives that title back to Sasha at SummerSlam. It could be incredible. They have a really good feud, and they shouldn't let this one go to waste. It's going to be great. Of course, we also had a match with Montez Ford. Angelo Dawkins comes out with him versus Otis and Chad Gable. We all knew this was going to be a squash match, and it was. It was a, it was pretty much a beatdown match. It's, it, it really was. It was really, really, really not a match that I was really impressed with. Otis won the match, of course. Again, was not impressed with it. Thoroughly not happy with that match. Don't, I mean, guys, you can go watch it yourself and make your own judgment. But to me, it wasn't even a match that was even worth watching. Not to me. Rick Boogs comes out, plays Shinsuke in. We get a tag team match. We get Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs versus Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz. Now, for those of you who are scratching your head going, why is this match going on? I'm going to take you back to SmackDown, and I'm going to tell you why. Shinsuke Nakamura had a match against Apollo Crews. Where Rick Boogs was at his side, and Commander Aziz was at his side for the Intercontinental title. On 8-13. This is an incredible match between these two. But Commander Aziz gets caught during that match. And him and Rick Boogs both get thrown out of the match. Leaving Shinsuke and Apollo Crews to have a one-on-one incredible, amazing match for the Intercontinental title. Guess who wins? We have a new Intercontinental Champion, guys. Shinsuke Nakamura is now the Intercontinental Champ. He beats Apollo Crews at his own game because he doesn't have Commander Aziz. And, of course, Rick Boogs is not there to help Shinsuke, so it becomes a fair fight between the two. We have a new Intercontinental Champion. Leading to... 820s fight between these two tag teams. It's an incredible match. That's all I'm going to say. Commander Aziz really shows what he can do. And I'm very impressed with Commander Aziz. I've been impressed with Apollo Crews. This man has absolutely amazed me from the beginning. Shinsuke Nakamura, incredible. Rick Boogs, incredible. Well, see, we saw Rick Boogs in NXT, so we know what he's capable of. To see him come to Raw and do, you know, to SmackDown and do what he does is absolutely amazing. It's incredible, and it's a great match. It does end, of course, with Rick Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura getting that win. It's a great match. It's one I highly recommend you go watch because it's good. The Intercontinental title match the week before, I highly recommend you guys go watch that one too because it's amazing. I promise you it's an amazing match and this is an incredible, incredible little setup between these between these guys. It's going to be a great showdown if they continue doing the way they're going. So now we go with the John Cena-Roman face-off. This to me is one, I'm like, I'm like, how can you top what you did last week? There is no way in the world that you would be able to top what you did last week. I just, you know, to me, I just don't see it happening. But, of course, then again, I could be wrong. And believe me, it's an incredible setup. It really, I mean, it really is. It's amazing. It really, it really is. Part two, absolutely amazing. 
Roman comes out with Paul Heyman soldering to his music, but before Roman gets to do anything, John Cena cuts him off. John Cena cuts Roman Reigns off in the middle of his interest music. That's a blatant disrespect to the Universal Champion, don't you think? Very blatant disrespect about you know about to Roman. Really, Cena, you're a part timer and you're going to cut him off? Seriously, you're going to cut him off? That just was not really fair. <laughs> Of course, the crowd is booing Roman. They're chanting for Cena and they're booing for Roman. One minute they're booing, they're chanting for Roman, and they're booing. And then the next minute they're booing for Roman. I can't, I can't make heads or tails of any of it. I really can't. I just can't. And you know, Roman, you know, tells the people, "Oh yeah, 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 you do a lot of stupid things. Just be quiet, be quiet." That's exactly you know. Yo, 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 the crowd, the people say a lot of stupid things and do a lot of stupid things, and that's exactly what John Cena did last week. He goes on to say, look, he likes that the crowd's excited. He loves that the crowd's excited about this match, and, you know, they're all, that's great. But he says, it isn't going to be John Cena, because he's going to lie to the WWE Universe yet again. John really thinks he can pin me. He really thinks he can beat me in a ring. Really? Really, John Cena? Really, you think you are? You really think you can beat me? And Cena tells Reigns, yeah, I can beat you. I can beat you, no problem. One, two, three, I got you. I can beat you. And Reigns is laughing at him. Reigns asks Heyman. Turns and looks to Heyman and goes, how many times have I lost since I've been champion? And Heyman goes, you've never been beaten, my tribal chief. You've never been beaten ever. And he's right. Roman's not lost a match. He's come close, but he's never lost a match since he came back. He's had that title for over 365 days. Over a year, he's held that title. Not once has he lost. And Cena says he believes the impossible is possible. Anything can happen. I can beat you in a ring. What you believe I can't do, I can. And he tells him, look, Reigns, you have no idea what's in store for you tomorrow night on SummerSlam. You have no idea. Reigns, you don't get it. I'm going to take that title, go do movies, while you're sitting back here as an absolute failure. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to take the one, two, three. It's going to be written on the wall. I'm going to walk away and absolutely and utterly humiliate you in front of everybody so that you can see just how stupid you really look. I'm going to make an example of you. Reigns, he doesn't like it. He goes, look, Cena, are you here to promote movies or are you here to fight? Which one is it? Yeah. Are you here to promote Hollywood or are you here to fight? Because me, I'm here to fight. I, I could care less about Hollywood. I'm here to fight. I'm doing it every single night, every single week. I'm in this ring defending my title. I'm in this ring proving who I am, that I'm Roman Reigns. I'm the head of the table. I'm the tribal chief. I'm the universal champion. I'm doing it every night while you're off playing Hollywood. And Roman just can't hate. He just he can't take it. He just, he just isn't. And look, he says, look, I'm here to demote you, Roman. I am here to demote you. At SummerSlam, one, two, three means I break the world championship record and become the 17th time world heavyweight champion. 
I become universal title. I become universal champ. Right in front of your eyes and there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. Nothing at all. Reigns is over. Reigns tells him, Cena, is this when, well, you know, is this what you think you can do? You think you can beat me? You really think you can beat me? Because look, you get in the ring, look, and you think you're you're all talk. You run that mouth. You 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 talk all you you talk the big talk, but you don't show. You don't represent what you can really do. You run your mouth. That's what you do. Tells them, look, I'm gonna get in this ring. I'm going to smash you. I'm going to stack you. And I'm going to win. Cena, you're, you're, you're no different from anyone else I've ever faced. I, 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 you're no different. You're just like everyone else I've ever faced. You're all talk, no show. Just all talk. He goes, look, SummerSlam, it's in Vegas. So let's raise the stakes a little, shall we? Let's just raise the stakes. Since we're in Vegas and you're a gambling man... Let's raise the stakes a little. If I don't retain the universal title in Las Vegas at SummerSlam, then I will leave WWE forever. Cena smiles, gets that coy little smile, holds that hand out, and they go to shake on it. They go to shake on it, but Roman doesn't take the shake and does his cheap shot on Cena. Cena like holds his ground and literally pulls him down and holds him there. And like, fans are counting one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And Cena rolls out of the ring, steps out, and Roman's just sitting there looking like, what the hell just happened? My problem with that is the stakes being raised. Could Cena actually beat Roman Reigns? I'm going to make another prediction. I'm going to make another spoiler. This isn't a prediction. This is a spoiler. No. Roman Reigns will not lose his universal title to part-time Hollywood man John Cena. I don't see it happening. Don't get me wrong. I love Cena. I do. But all of you out there who listen to my podcast know I am a Roman Reigns girl. I stand by Roman Reigns to the bitter end. And I think Roman has got John Cena. Do I want Roman to lose now that this stake has been added? No, I don't want Roman to leave WWE for good. No, 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 no. That makes me more nervous and more scared for this match than any other time Roman's ever been in a match. I mean, literally, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat biting my nails off at SummerSlam, praying that my boy stays Universal Champion and that he doesn't leave WWE. Some of you may think, oh, yeah, 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 we're going to get rid of Roman. I don't like that. Roman has carried this company as much as Bobby Lashley has. And to blatantly disrespect both of them, like I said before, this bugs me. This bugs me very badly that you would blatantly disrespect Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley like this by bringing in two part-timers. But like I said, I made a prediction on Lashley. Lashley retains. I'm making a prediction and a spoiler on Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns retains. He schools John Cena. He sends John Cena packing back to Hollywood for good. Roman doesn't lead WWE. Roman doesn't lose his title. Roman dominates. 
because the John, the Roman that John Cena is facing now is not the same Roman that John Cena faced way back when. This is a different Roman Reigns. This is a different ballpark. And I don't think Cena can beat Roman Reigns. And that's my opinion on it. That's how I feel. Guys, I want to thank you again so much for listening to this. I really do. And I want to let you guys know. Remember, in two weeks, new podcast drops. We are going to have not only Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, AEW, Dynamite, and Impact, but we're also going to have, again, a pay-per-view double feature extravaganza for NXT TakeOver 36 and SummerSlam. So do not miss it. Make sure you are on in two weeks to catch this because I promise you guys there's going to be some surprises and I don't want you guys to miss out. Again, I want to thank you guys so much for listening because without you guys there would be no In the Ring with Brandy. Let your friend friends know. If they are wrestling fans, give, give them my podcast. Tell them to come take a listen. I love when I get new fans coming on my you know, Twitter or my Instagram, giving me shout-outs. Guys, follow me on that Instagram. Follow me on that Twitter. Tell me your opinions on anything. We don't even have to talk about WWE. We can talk about anything you guys want. Does not matter. Anything wrestling-related, give me a shout-out. You know, tell me what you guys think. Give me your opinions. Give me your predictions for SummerSlam. Give me your predictions for NXT TakeOver 36. What you think is going to happen. I'm looking forward to hearing and I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys think. Remember, again, follow me on my social media, on my Facebook, on my Twitter at Wrestling Nights Nights with a Z. And on my Instagram at In the Ring with Brandy. And I remember, guys, next week, no podcasts. It's every two weeks. In two weeks, you will get the pay-per-view double feature extravaganza for SummerSlam and for TakeOver 36. So don't miss it. And I'll see you guys in two weeks with more wrestling action. Have a great night and have a great weekend and have a great SummerSlam weekend. See you guys later. Have a good night.